So yeah. that's a fundamental issue. Their other cover, their other issue, look, their defense gives up 6.3 yards per play. That's not good. And you can't do that unless you're giving up big plays, right? And the teams do run them, the ball on them successfully. In fact, every team they've played, I think, has rushed for over 100 yards and several have rushed for over 200. But the passing game is where they really give up big plays. Uh, they were worse early in the year, but they still give up big plays. And a lot of their defensive concepts are built around inflicting a negative play, penalties, holding up in the red zone, turnovers, which is a way of saying we can't stop you and we need you to make mistakes to stop yourself. So they're going to run blitz Nick Martin. They're going to run. They're going to blitz Colin Oliver. They're going to bring Xavier Benson. Again, I don't think that's the best approach for our running game as it's constituted now, because our offensive line has really grown in terms of assignment soundness. We've got certain guys who are not necessarily driving people off the ball, but they're not just blowing stuff. Yeah. like they did last year or even early this year. And yeah. we have a really good pass-blocking offensive line. I know it doesn't feel that way because of some of the sacks that Texas has surrendered against Iowa State, against Tech. But the majority of those sacks, when you look at them, they're on the quarterback. So what's their plan on defense? How would you attack us? if you have some of these deficits, but you also have some of these advantages in terms of some quick disruptive guys that, you know, you can blitz. Um, you're not sure you can hold up in coverage. So you're going to play off and make Quinn make reads. W what are you going to do? Because look on both sides of the ball, even special teams, Gundy should try a high variance game plan, right? Yes. I mean, go for it on every fourth down. Why not? Fake punts. Kick, do an onside kickoff on the opening kick. Drop eight, blitz eight the next down, right? Get in Quinn's head. Get a hit on him. Like, do something. Now, that will make it easier to blow them out if that stuff doesn't work. But it might be the way you get a 21-7 to 7 lead early if things break the right way, right? They also... Let's say this to Gundy as well. I think one of his more underrated attributes now is that he's been in a thousand back and forth Big 12 shootouts. Yeah. And his team, and he never panics. He adjusts. He knows that these things swing back and forth. Yep. His teams make smart adjustments and they follow his stoic nature in these games. Like, they were like in awful shape against, I think both Houston and certainly against BYU. Oh yeah. You just cut to Gundy on the sideline and it's like, he's going to figure it out. You're looking at a man who's like, well, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do this and then we'll do this, but we'll be okay if we do that. So BYU, the field conditions really help the Cougars. Cause they're BYU is the slowest team in the big 12. And it was wet. It was muddy. It sort of slowed stuff down. 
And I think they benefited from that. And then Bowman threw a bad pick six, right? That created the separation in the first half. Second half, to your point, Oklahoma State made adjustments at halftime. Good adjustments. Bowman comes out throwing the ball really well. They kind of went away from Ollie Gordon a little bit to, to rethink their run game. But they, got, they went and scored a touchdown. The score didn't really budge off 24-13 for a while. I mean, we're heading into the fourth quarter now. And the score's not budging off that. Gundy did exactly what you just said. Stoic, hey, we made the right adjustments. The worm's going to turn. We're good. They take it to overtime. They win in overtime. And a lot of coaches would be like, we're down 24-6. We're down 24-13. It's, it's getting late in the third quarter. We got to do something. And Gundy's just like, no, the adjustments are all correct. That was a bad break on that drive. That's what ended that. We, we've, we're getting the looks we want. Let's just keep doing it. That's exactly what they did. So it's a bad thing to go to overtime with BYU, right? We saw that BYU team. But yeah. it's a good thing to have suboptimal start, bad field conditions, a lot of pressure. There's a sense of like, oh, my God, we're choking this away. This is, we're going to send OU to the championship game. And they just took a breath, executed, won the game. So, yeah, you got to admire that. That's that's the concern is that they they figure out Quinn, they pressure him, they get him rattled, and uh, just figure things out and grit it out. Let me defend oh, Quinn for a second in his development. We well, we say the same thing. Go ahead. We've called him a game manager or a high level game manager, right? Yeah. Has Quinn, when he's experienced adversity this year? Has he ever spiraled down or does he stabilize and then gradually elevate back up? Yep. Some of that is Sark, obviously, but some of it is the, he, I mean, him and Sark are, they have a good rapport now in year two. Like Sark knows if I do this, then Quinn will bounce back. Yep. Quinn bounces back to your point. So they're, yeah, they're a very effective tandem. The, the Oklahoma game is the ultimate example, right? Interceptions in the first two drives, which one which gives Oklahoma seven points and one which takes seven points off the board for their own team. And then he was like, what, like 26 or 27 after that or something? Yeah, he's basically perfect. Yeah. All the more reason not to take the ball out of his hands when you're going to win the game. Not to bring up old stuff, but uh, uh, hey, I don't want to spend much more time on Oklahoma State unless you've got something penetrating that you need to share. I think we gave a decent overview of what to expect. Well, how about just a, uh, do you think this will be a game where Texas has to grit it out like Houston? Or do you think that they might just go blow them out? The easiest way to blow someone out, Ian, is for your defense to dominate. Yeah. You made that point about Michigan this year and how picking Michigan against the spread was really easy because opponents never scored any points, so covering these large spreads is pretty easy. Because the concern, if, you're, if your defense is hemorrhaging yards or points, even if as your offense is rolling up and down the field and you got points on the scoreboard, 
late in the game, you ease up a little naturally. And then suddenly they come storming back and, you know, make it a game, right? Or cover the line, whatever. Uh, Look, I'll just be honest. Style points matter. The win is the most important thing, but style points do matter. If Texas gets Oklahoma State down, they need to blow them out. Yeah. And then you run a game plan to to enable that. I mean, they should do that for a lot of reasons. Yes. Gundy's stoic resolve is one, and then the, the playoff committee is another. Yeah. That playoff committee is particularly moved by margin of victory. Uh, and you and I both understand the illusion of that, right? Beating a team 63 to seven versus 41 to seven. Maybe there's no difference. It's just one team decided to keep scoring often, right? So the committee doesn't appear to be that sophisticated in that understanding. And they're very impressed by blowing out Hawaii and Portland state. Whereas, you know, Wyoming played Hawaii and beat them 42 to nine. But I think in the committee's mind, Hawaii, Wyoming, ah, it's just some G5 teams. It's the same threat level, but they're not right. So before we talk about the playoff and some of these machinations, I want to talk about the most important machination any of us will make in our financial lives. That's buying a house. It's the most important single financial investment that you'll ever make. It's also a place where you live. So unlike a stock or a bond, uh, you, you live in it and it has utility and, and utilitarian value beyond being the biggest single investment that you'll typically own, all of us in our lives. You need a guy in your corner who's going to help you out and be optimal in that decision-making, getting you the best possible service, the best possible rate, the best possible close. That's Gabe Winslow. You can reach him at 832-557-1095 or go to mortgagesbygabe.com. I have read many raving emails from EGAT listeners talking about the level of service they've gotten from Gabe. Uh, if you think we're biased or I've I've conjured them all up from the ether, uh, just jump on Google reviews, look up Gabe, Mortgages by Gabe or Gabe Winslow, Mortgage Guy in Houston, and read all the Google reviews. Uh, they're all five stars. He's got like 100 of them. And the common theme in all of them, paragraph after paragraph is, he solved this problem that no one else could. And uh, that's a good thing in a mortgage guy. Another good thing in a financial advisor, and that's, of course, David McClellan, our friend for Forum Financial and Fiduciary. Foreign, uh, foreign. He's not foreign. Uh, despite McClellan, where's where's that guy from? McClellan. What kind of name is that? Uh, Scottish or Irish? What do you think, Ian? Uh, I don't Scot- know how to- Scots Irish, maybe. Well, those are just. Well, let's not get into that. I know we don't need to get on all that. The settling of the south. Nonetheless. Let's get back to talking about David McClellan, irrespective of his heritage. He'll, he'll uh, text me later and let me know. I bet you it's Scott's Irish, though. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Scott's Irish, a fighting breed, and David is going to fight for your best financial life. Uh, reach out to him and find out how. Uh, he's really deeply experienced in the financial markets, and such to the point where he's written white papers that are cited by and used as resources by other financial advisors. I don't know about you, 
but I'd rather go talk to the guy that other financial advisors are citing uh, rather than the, the people who are citing that financial advisor. Uh, talk to the subject matter expert. That's what David is. 312-933-8823. Ian, let's talk about the playoffs. Wait, wait. Can you can you guess my heritage by my last name? Boyd? Yeah. English? Whale? Welsh? I don't know. You're terrible. You have not read the book that I... I haven't you. read it yet. Yeah, no, I haven't had time. I've been busy. Scots Irish. Is Boyd Scots Irish? Well, it's Scottish. But okay. You know who the Scots Irish are, are? Yeah, I know the Scots Irish are. Uh, uh, the guys, the Irish guys who drink a lot of scotch. They're the, the settlers that were placed there you go. to Scotland. basically dominate the Irish, right? Yeah. And placate yeah. them. Yeah. And then they gave up on that and settled this great country. Yes. And they occupy huge portions of the American South to this day. Yeah. And in, in the Midwest, all kinds of. Yep. <clears throat> you Waddlingtons wouldn't know anything about it, but. Uh... Yeah. So the Boyds were like a pacifist clan of the Scots Irish. Is that, is that yeah. your heritage? <laughs> They're sort of quiet, analytical. You know, I mean, you would think that from family, honestly, but um, the the family the family motto is uh, "Confido." We trust because the Boyd showed up for Wallace against uh, Longshanks and whoever. Ah, uh, it's Sterling. Some, I mean, somewhere, Pro probably there. Braveheart so is a truly great movie, but I do want to add that the Battle of Sterling Bridge happened on a bridge, just so y'all know. It wasn't a big grassy field. Uh, I understand the problems of filming a massive battle on a bridge in which thousands of people are drowned in the river underneath it, but uh, yeah, it was not a big grassy field. You know, do you know the wife's maiden name? Uh... Just think... What you were just thinking, talking about Sterling Wallace. Oh, well, there you go. Scott's Look Irish. at you. Look at you, feisty. That's why you guys are always yelling and screaming at each other, hitting each other with pots and pans, chasing each other around the house. <laughs> Probably not the, the most accurate depiction of the boy to home life. We are not afraid to, to argue, though. Um, what were we talking about? Do you guys argue over like? what Matlock rerun you want to watch or what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> we are millennials. So it's Monk. Oh, Monk. Very good. All right. I've got a little OCD speaking of Monk with regards to the playoff committee and their evaluatory processes, which is that they have none. Uh, Randy famously said that he thinks when they go in that room and discuss the playoff worthiness of different teams, that they just sit there for two hours looking through kaleidoscopes and then come out and just babble nonsense. Uh, and I think Randy may have a point. So you're of the belief that if Texas just wins, we will get in over even an Oregon that wins or a Washington that wins or well, Florida State that wins? I, if, there are, if there are four undefeated teams, then we're, we're out. Sorry. Okay, so – we need wash. We need. So you think if Oregon beats Washington, we'll be voted ahead of them? Yeah. So we're currently behind Oregon, 
Oregon is about to play their best opponent that they played all year, which they've already played, Washington, who's ranked third in the country, is undefeated. And this will make them Pac-12 champions if they win it. And you're saying at the last minute, after this giant win, we're going to be catapulted above them because we beat Oklahoma State? Have you paid attention to the committee in the last – 10 years, the last however long they've been doing this? I've paid attention to the inanities that come out of their mouths when they're asked to explain themselves. They will sell whatever. Look, here's here's my take. Here, here's the Scots-Irish Appalachian take on uh, on the playoff. Attack them. Yeah. Wait, what is... Yeah. Had an ad going in the background. Um, they're going to do whatever they have to do to sell football games and sell matchups leading up to the end. And at the end, they're going to get in the room and then they're going to real, do the real deliberations. And and what year have they produced a result that has been like ridiculous or wildly unfair? We're about to see. One. And what year have they produced a result where they, uh, uh, didn't come out with like the best possible product for college football. So if that's true, Florida state won't be in the playoff. Well, maybe, maybe they do bump Florida state out. They're not going to. If Florida state beats Louisville by one point in a 10, nine football game where Louisville misses an extra point and misses a 32 yard game winning field goal. And Florida state looks like garbage. The undefeated Seminoles ACC champions will go to the playoff and get blown out. I don't know. I, I know. That's, that's like the, to me, that's like the uncharted territory of this. I don't agree with it, by the way. I think you should actually, so people say, well, it's body of work. It's deserving. It has, doesn't have to do with the best teams. It's like, well, actually, I think you want the best product. And there needs to be a balance between accomplishment, season accomplishment, and the current constitution of your team. So I would have Florida State in jeopardy. I think most people think that's crazy. I mean, they should do it that way. Really irritating, Ian is if this week, before the weekend championships, Ohio State is ahead of Texas. I'm not, I'm not worried about all that. <sighs> Ohio State has been left out of the playoffs a number of times. They've also gotten in as a non-conference champion. Usually deservedly so. Yeah, that is true. But I'm not interested in deservedly so. I want Texas to go. Do you understand? This is a Texas podcast. Yeah. So you need to fashion an argument that makes any choice but Texas as ridiculous and irresponsible. Sure. Here's like the doomsday is, uh, well, the doomsday is that Florida State wins and Washington wins and Michigan wins and Georgia wins, right? But the the doomsday would be like uh, Alabama beats Georgia. Okay. Florida State, they lose to Louisville. They're out. Michigan is in. Alabama's in. Let's say Washington is in. In Georgia. And then it's between one loss 
two-time defending champion Georgia. Yeah, I know. That's the one that would actually scare me. So I I hear you. I actually think we want as much mayhem as possible as chaos. I think we we benefit from chaos because it will force a reordering of thinking. And here's why. The reason I don't like them releasing these rankings weeks out is because it creates a calcified hierarchy in their minds. I don't think it does. because they. Choose- I think you need to look at the resumes and backgrounds of these committee members. They're not sending their best, Ian. <laughs> and the fact that they have Oregon, the head of Texas, right now, when Texas possesses the best win in college football, period. Texas has a common opponent that we beat by 50. Oregon scraped by to beat by eight. By the way, that eight, was the margin was provided by a, a pick six on Tech driving for the game-winning score, right? You're now injured quarterback. Tyler Shuck, who was one and three as a starter. Tech has since five and three starting other players. Do you think these committee people even make the choices or do the television people just tell them what to do? I, so I, I had a friend ask me that very question today. I actually think there's a committee that's making these decisions. I think TV runs college football in the, in the big picture. I mean, the conference realignment was TV. TV ran that, right? That said, the day-to-day operations of college football, there's not Disney executives calling the committee members saying, you know what to do. Are you sure? You would, would you bet your life on that? You're, you're a weird mix of naivete and a deep conspiracy theorist. And I'm never quite sure what topic will trigger it, but <laughs> we just stumbled upon one. This is Scott's Irish. This is, this is the thing. All right. We know what Longshanks is up to. Yeah. <clears throat> you really don't think that the TV execs lean on the committee? No, I don't think they're interacting with the committee. Do they choose committee members based on who will do the right thing? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, the best way to, to have a result is to choose the jury, right? Yeah company men yeah i don't know i I don't know i do know when i look at their individual backgrounds i'm not blown away it's a bunch of bureaucrat lifelong athletic administrators uh a random journalist who i don't know who she is or what she's ever written or said anything smart uh a couple of random like a dude who does HR at a power company? <laughs> like there's just like some random, just random Joes thrown in. Um, well, and then there. a former player, uh, Will Shields, Nebraska. I will say there's a pretty strong group of anti-Texas type people in there for sure. Kansas State admins, Nebraska, uh, stuff like that. So, that's a little disconcerting, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know that they're an improvement per se over the BCS computers. The BCS limitation was that you had two teams, right? 
And then early in the BCS, they overemphasized margin of victory, stuff like that. But they they redid that, right? Uh, and look, the playoff committee basically has to get out of jail free card because what they'll say is, oh, we're so sorry, Texas. That was unfair. You were left out. But good thing we have a 12-team playoff next year. So it's all moot. Don't worry about it. So here's a take I have that I think is super contrarian. Oh, no. All I want for Christmas this year is the Big 12 championship. I don't super care what happens in the playoffs for a few reasons. One, yeah, you're shaking your – Paul is shaking his head. Eric would be like trying to stand <sighs> up. I, I'm glad we're physically separated right now. This is ridiculous. But go ahead. The playoff is going to expand. The goal is going to become every single year to make the playoffs. When it's 12 teams. Yes. It's going to be like every year, every other year, you want to be in the playoffs, right? Once you're in, you have a shot at a national championship every other year. If the cards break right at the end of the year. Getting into the playoffs this year is not this like panacea that you're never going to touch again. This is the last chance to win a Big 12 championship. This is the last chance to have one more Big 12 championship than Kansas State or Baylor or the other non-Oklahomas. This is the last chance to give the middle finger to everyone on the way out. It's to me, it's actually more meaningful. I know you hate this league and look down on it, which is fine. But it's the last chance to like really to me, it's spiritually more important to win the Big 12 and to have that trophy than to go to the playoffs. Okay. I don't really trust Quinn Ewers in this offense anyway, if I'm being well, honest. Okay. So everything you said is not mutually exclusive to going to the playoff. In fact, it is a desired and needed outcome to go to the playoff. The well, playoff is the next part of that journey and that dream. And well, here's I why. Have, I wouldn't have cared if Texas had gone nine and three and won the Big 12 championship. Oh, that, that's fine. Well, yeah, because you, you won the Big 12 championship. But here we are. And we have a shot at the playoff. And we have a shot at the playoff in a year where there is no 1995 Nebraska 2001 Miami, 2005 Texas, 2019 LSU. We can beat Florida State, agreed? Well, yeah. We can beat Michigan. Yeah. We actually match up okay with them, don't we? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it'll be, it would be tougher, I think, than people would think, but yeah. Can we beat Alabama? Probably. Can we beat Georgia? I don't know. That's our worst matchup, isn't it? I think so. Can we beat Washington? I don't know. Uh, I think we can. Didn't last time. That's no, they're not this uh... better. <laughs> no man walks to the same river twice. Ian. I, if Pete, if uh, Phoenix, my point, out... my point is if, it was last year's Georgia, or no, nah, I wouldn't even say last year's. I wouldn't even necessarily put them up with those other all-time teams I named. There's certain years where you're like, I know what's happening in the college football playoff this year, right? Yeah. yeah. This isn't that year. 
Georgia's capable of losing. Georgia's capable of not being in the playoff. And all the other teams I mentioned, you want to be in the playoff, even if you aren't sure about Quinn yours. I mean, that that's sort of irrelevant. You want to be in the tournament because stuff can happen. Stuff can go down, man. You want to try to win the national title, man. That's the goal. I'd have to, I would, I would be forced to think very differently about this team if they won a national championship for all that, for all that I've like defended them and their different idiosyncrasies on like, so here's the problem you have. And and it's something that's common. I've, I've felt this way before too. You have a platonic notion of what a national champion should look like. And the fact is in several years, not great teams have won a national title just because of how things went, just how the, how the cookie broke and how the crumbs fell. Then there's other years that you remember iconic national champions where you watched that team play and you went, whoa. 2004 USC by the end of that year, 2005 Texas, all you know, the teams I named, 2019 LSU, the scariest college offense I've ever seen. That's the platonic ideal of a national champion you have in your head. And you're forgetting that there's a bunch of very flawed teams that have national titles. Alabama has like three of them. The Alabama team that beat Texas was not Alabama yet. Saban was surprised by that national championship. I can assure you. So, you got to lose that idea and you just want to be in the game. You want to be in the playoffs, man. I think another difficulty I have, and this is something that needs to be fixed on the Texas end, is that to me, a Texas team that breaks through and actually wins the national championship has to be great because there's only one in my lifetime that's done it, right? Yeah. And three from the pre-integration era, right? So, like, if they had, like, a middling team, like, I'll add the extra D-L-I-N-G there for you. Thank you. That that won the championship, it would just be, I don't know, cognitive dissonance in some level. It, it, it would make the national championship less as a Texas fan. No. Do you think the Oklahoma Sooners – I don't value their Bob Stoops national title less because that OU team was so deeply flawed and kind of lucked out. They, they lucked out in that they didn't have to play Miami, which is, they lucked out because they weren't that talented and they played over their heads the entire year with a novel system that people hadn't yet cracked. I know, but that team had to, and they played a Florida state that was garbage. They had to beat, they had to, they had to win a lot of games against tough, they had to kill old college football to win that championship. That's fine. I'm not talking about the the change, the sea change in college offenses and all that. That's fine. That, I'm talking there, about there's meaning to their championship. People, you would have a great fondness in retrospect for an overachieving Texas national champion that put it together. Because remember, you haven't yet seen the two games that Texas would play to make that happen. Right. You're right. So, but I haven't seen 
<laughs> you're, yeah, you, you haven't seen the imagine this team at all that could do that. Right. I understand. You did against Bama in Tuscaloosa. I mean, and I mean, that's what it would look like, too. Because you give Sark a month to prepare. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, are you warming up to this idea, you big oh, I, I, know, I know that it's possible. It just feels... It feels uh, a little bit wrong. Like, this shouldn't be a championship team. Good heavens. Not that good. And it also, I just... Just win the Big 12 championship. You got to win the Big 12. If you got to win the, you cannot do the TCU thing. That would kill me. But if there's if no chance of that, probably not. No, would, not not probably not. There's no chance of that. It would take a crazy chaos scenario. No, would, there's like literally, there's no chance of that. I've actually game planned this out. Have you really? Yeah. Do you have the same fear? <laughs> And then you No, it's just I no. Look, I promise Iowa beats Michigan. Huh? Iowa beats Michigan. Yeah. Uh let's see here. Alabama beats Georgia. Yeah. Florida State loses. Yeah. And Ohio State's still there. Oregon beats Washington. You think Ohio State would get a hit in ahead of Texas? Yes. That's the two lost Texas? You are you joking right now? I would hate that so much. We'd have no chance. There's no chance. You know, Texas is literally like a better version of the same Ohio State team. You mean the current Ohio State team? Yeah. Yeah. They're very similar. I'll say this. Marvin Harrison Jr. is like combining the best traits of Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. Yeah. But you know what? We don't have a dude like him individually. In some ways, that's actually worse for them. Yeah. Because you double you double him, and then there's not the other guy to balance it. He needs to be cut in half. That's why they didn't beat Michigan. Ryan Day, so simple. Gene splice him, cut him in half. Uh, yeah, I, I look if if there was a playoff series of matchups against the potential playoff teams. Texas can play with every one of them. I think the team we match up worst with is Georgia. But there's no guarantee you'd play Georgia. There's also, I mean, Georgia doesn't want to see Texas either. Because the one thing that always gives them fits is like, like they don't want to have to figure out how to cover Mitchell and Worthy. That's true. But the one thing Georgia can do is cover. Really? Usually this is the thing that kills them. Kirby Smart has evolved to let me dedicate the least number of human beings to stop the run. He did that last year in Ohio State, took him to the freaking wire. Yeah, that was true. Ohio State played awesome in that game. Uh, that was. There's no C.J. Stroud on, on Texas, okay? still don't know if I believe he's good. Oh, he's pretty freaking good. We'll see. I need to see the playoffs. <laughs> You got the, you don't want Texas in the playoffs, but you want the Texans in the playoffs. That's great. This is the ultimate contrarian podcast. We've done it, Ian. We've done it. I just, I watched that guy melt down and lose it against Michigan two years in a row. Look, I, dude, I get it. I watched the same CJ Stroud you did. He's dominating in the NFL with not good receivers. I hear that. And I still just, 
you you need to watch them. It's crazy. I want to make sure it's not like remember when um Joe Jared, Cook is Joe Cook is going crazy right now listening to this. Oh, we've had this conversation. Believe oh, okay. Jared when Jared Goff or uh or Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Really strong run centric offense under the same coaching tree of the guy that's coaching Stroud in Houston. And then he doesn't have the supporting cast. CJ Stroud doesn't have a supporting cast. I'm talking about offensive line, wide receiver, everything. Those guys cruised. They get to the end. They get to the Super Bowl. I, I understand. Out and then they were never the same. I understand. CJ Stroud doesn't have a supporting cast. He's elevating that team. The Texans aren't good. <clears throat> I, I don't know what to say. I, I didn't know if he's going to succeed in the NFL either. I'm just telling you what the data is. I need to see him against like a Spagnola or somebody with my own <laughs> in the playoffs before. All I right. That's it. That's the only way he could be decent. Yep. He needs to win the Super Bowl with the Texans. Well, I mean, it sounds like he'll, he's at least decent. So I'll, I'll agree. <laughs> I love it. I love when you get fixated on an idea because you're, you're pretty, uh, it always goes so great for me. You're pretty dexterous in most of your opinions when you get different yes. evidence, but you, you always like to pick three or four where you're just the diehard in the bunker. Like it's not happening. I love it. So are, are we done with your weird, I can't have Texas win a national championship because I'd feel guilty tangent. What, what's wrong with you? What Seriously, what's wrong with you? Caricature. That's not a caricature. That's what we just... You just drew, you just painted the lines and colored them in. Do you want Texas to go to the playoff, Ian? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just, I'm not, it's, I'm not emotionally invested in it. I am. If they lose the big, big 12 championship. Again, the precondition of going to the playoffs is that we win the big 12 championship. I know, but I think a lot of Texas fans would be bummed if they lost the Big 12 championship because it would mean they missed the playoffs. Oh, no, I don't feel that way. I, I First things first. I want the Big 12 championship in its as, as, as an ends in itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it has a huge meaning to leave the Big 12 in that way, as you said, shooting your finger on the way out. And then you're also the first Big 12 champion. You bookended it. And you kind of did it your way, right? Beating all the teams on the way out. And they're yeah. talking about like, you know, they're writing their columns, their local hacks about how Texas should play TCU and tech and whatever in perpetuity. And we're just like, you know, see ya. The part also where Kansas State and Baylor both have three championships in Texas. Yeah, has- that's irritating. Yeah. Kansas State has three? 2003? 2012? Last year? 2022. Dang. That's sneaky. Yeah. And Baylor has three. Baylor has three. Really? I thought they had two. 13, 14, 21. Man, that's right. And they almost got a fourth. I think... Those two in Texas are all tied at three. Yeah. It's like 60. 12 or something. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not going to catch them. No, that's not going to happen. 
it it would be a great way to blow out the seven win Sark notion as well, right? I mean, that's already happened. He's eleven win Sark, but being twelve win Sark is good. Hey, I'll tell you another reason I want to go to the playoff. Let me let's, let me see something real quick. You're going to hear seven win Sark until he has an eight to ten win season in the SEC from like the Aggies and other SEC. Oh players. God, I mean, I know. I guess. Yep. Wait, you're. I mean, and they have some point to it too. Yeah, well, they they know seven wins. <laughs> they do. The but Aggies have experience with that. Winning 10, 10 games in the Big Twelve this year was not that hard. If it were that hard, Oklahoma wouldn't have done it. Yeah, I mean it's fair, but still. And yeah. you know, another reason to go to the playoffs, other than going to the playoffs, is the goal and winning the national championships. The goal. You get to see Texas players play more games. I mean, the ones that if Texas just wins the Big 12, but gets left out, yeah. how many of our guys that are going to the draft are going to play in the bowl? Right. Zero? Yeah. Last year it was not very many. Yeah. I want to see Byron Murphy play more. I want to see Devondre Sweat play more. I want to see Jatavian Sanders play more. Jalen Ford, all those guys. That's the playoff. They're not going to sit out the playoff for their NFL draft status. Kind of like seeing the young guys, but I hear you. You know what, Ian? You're now you're just being contrarian to enrage me. And on that note, Ian, do you have any final words to enrage our listeners? I can't wait for to post this on Inside Texas and read the comments as people yell at you and demean you. I won't defend you at all. Just, you know, it's going to be bad for me. You, you're going to be treated by your home crowd that loves and adores you like they're OU fans. It's going to be great. Well, you know, as it says in, uh, darn, I can't find the reference fast enough. A prophet is never appreciated in his hometown. Never honored. Never honored. It is. Yes. Close enough. So there you go. You might want to learn some of that stuff. <laughs> All right, Ian, on that note, Ian is a prophet of sorts. Uh, he he diminished his reputation substantially over the last 15 minutes of this podcast before. Uh, an absolute prophet on many areas. But uh, all joking aside, Ian, I really can't thank you enough for joining me and doing this little two-parter. Uh, I feel like there's even more we could talk about. But we got to go to bed at some point. And... Uh, I hope we got some of y'all through your commutes or road trips or your workout. And uh, let's beat the hell out of the Cowboys. Hook them. For Ian Boyd, I'm Paul Wadlington saying, stick it to the Cowboys.